God's great gift has come to us. And that because that gift has come, it does last all year long. It, it comes to us every day. As we realize God loves us, that's what we remember today. And that because God loves us, we have peace with God, shalom. We have hope. We have that grace because Jesus Christ is born in us and shines bright every day of the year. And the Gospel of John tells us this. We read from the prologue in in our call to worship. Hear now what John tells us about Jesus' ministry as he began to speak and be God's word of salvation. In John chapter 3, the first 16 verses, words that for many are familiar and for too many are not. Listen as we hear God's word. Now there was a Pharisee, that's like a, a chief priest, and his name was Nicodemus. He was a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know, we, interesting, plural pronoun, speaking on behalf of others from his same circle. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Now remember, John has just told us that Jesus has turned water into wine. Jesus answered Nicodemus, very truly, or verily, verily, or literally in the Greek, amen, amen. Meaning, listen very carefully. Anytime Jesus said that, it was an emphasis to say, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say to you. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, amen, amen. I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit, two births. What is born of the flesh is flesh, that's the water birth. And was, what is born of the spirit is spirit, that's the birth that God gives. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind or the spirit, ruach, pneuma, blows where it chooses. You can hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You don't know how it happens, but it happens. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? 
Very truly. Listen up. Amen. Amen. I tell you, we speak, plural pronoun, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Savior. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that's in Numbers, the book of Numbers, so must the Son of Man, the servant of God, the Messiah, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, not just biological life, life eternal. For God so loved the world, Jesus said, that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May we bow down in humble awe at what God has said to us by becoming the word, the reason, the cause, the source that draws us into eternal relationship with himself. Let's pray. Father, let your good news come. As you sent your good news by coming in person in Jesus Christ, so let that word, that incarnate word, speak to us in the power of your Holy Spirit. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our salvation. All these things we pray in the name of the one who is the word of salvation, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Nicodemus wasn't there that night that Jesus was born, or that morning, or whenever it was. Probably only the shepherds were. Isn't that interesting? The most powerful event in the history of the world, and there were the lowliest and only the lowliest of people there to witness it. But years later, years later, probably about 30 years later, Nicodemus came looking for Jesus one night as the shepherds came looking that night because Nicodemus knew who he, as Nicodemus, was. And he knew what his condition was. He was a searcher of the word. And he knew what was missing. And in that time, he realized, as he listened and watched at who Jesus was, who he had encountered, and who the world was being encountered by in Jesus of Nazareth. Nicodemus did what Mary had done. He connected the dots. He was pondering in his heart who the Messiah was to be, the Son of Man, the Servant of God, the one who would take away the sin of the world. 
and he was connecting the dots as he looked very thoughtfully at who Jesus was. He knew the story. He knew it well. He had memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy by heart. He knew the Psalms by heart. So did Jesus. But until he put the pieces together, he didn't realize that the story had been completed right there in front of him. And yet that's what he was realizing as he came that night under cover of darkness because he was a little bit afraid of what his friends would think of his going to see this teacher. I think we're all Nicodemus. I think we're all trying to put together those pieces when in fact the cross stands right in front that points us toward home. We've all been anticipating this day, Christmas, but every day we anticipate what we really need. We've been unwrapping gifts, we've been wrapping gifts, and by now, or at least by this afternoon, all the gifts will have been opened, the trash pile will be large, and it is time for us to realize what Christmas really means when all the wrapping is set aside. The story's told, I heard once, about a $275,000 diamond ring that was thrown out in a New York penthouse because it got mixed up in the wrapping paper. That's what Mary's describing, that we not let that happen, but rather that we stop and truly set the waste aside to see what the real jewel is. This is what John did for us in these words. He was the last one to write. When things were getting kind of muddy at the end of the first century, he clarified who Jesus was in the cosmic sense of the word. And it is what Jesus does for us in becoming one with us, Emmanuel in the flesh, that makes all the difference. And that is what John is describing. Because God so loved. Write that on your refrigerator on your dashboard, wherever you regularly look, because God so loved our hearts, as Augustine said, are restless until they rest in Jesus Christ. Because God so loved, nothing else is going to satisfy us until we rest in Jesus and discover what it means to truly make him Lord of our lives. Nicodemus was discovering this. That's why he came and said, we know In fact, he spoke on behalf of others when he said, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He could have said, parenthetically, my buddies just aren't willing to show up here with me, but they sent me to, you know, how there was always one person. You said, go ask him. That's Nicodemus. We know. What Nicodemus wasn't getting was the fullness of who he was talking to that he was talking to God, not like God, not a representation of God, not an ambassador or a messenger or an angel from God, but that he was talking to God. I guess it would would be hard to blame him, wouldn't it? I mean, would you know that you were actually talking to God? 
I think we all struggle with this, that God showed up in person. And that God really does want us to know him today, apart from all the wrapping of all of our baggage, of all the things we say, yeah, but we wrestle with that. But that is the mark that God so loves, that God wants us to know him even when we don't get it, especially because we aren't getting it. God does really love us, and not just to play with us or mess with us, but to give himself for us. That's what this day is about. God wants a relationship with us. He wants to bring us to a new place that time and this life cannot take away. God wants to take us to that place where all the the sorrow and the brokenness and the mistakes and the sin that so cling to us, the writer to the Hebrews describes, are gone forever. But like Nicodemus, like Nicodemus, we can get so hung up on the lower story with our, but yeah, but what about? There's that death thing. You know, that one gets pretty hard, doesn't it? The part where, where we or someone we love or a pet or, or a dream or a job dies. And we can say, but what about? And because we know the reality of death, we have a hard time accepting that God's action in Jesus Christ overcomes this reality. We have a hard time saying, well, okay, I guess it's all right. It'll be okay. It's not that we don't experience death, but death in this life has no lasting power over those who are born again. And again, Nicodemus And we have a problem because we don't think we can start over again. We're so hung up on this biological thing. Jesus wasn't talking biology. He wasn't talking about corpuscles. We, too, know we can't go back through that birth canal. And on the world's terms, we can't undo the aging process, nor can we bring back those we love, nor can we do like we did on the playground and go, oh, I just want to do over doesn't work that way and we're grown up enough to know that life is not like that but that is why God's so loved because we can't put things back the way they were and in fact that is not even what Jesus meant when he was talking to Nicodemus he wasn't talking about a do-over or putting things back the way they were it's not about going back and doing it over again because we would still get it wrong. It'd be like that movie Groundhog Day. It's just the same story repeating over and over again. No. What Jesus was talking about, what Jesus was and is, is about accepting the new life that God gives by taking us forward with Jesus across that bridge that we described last night. It is about realizing Our hope is in what Jesus has done and is doing and will do with our lives that we can't do. That God will get us where we need to be. This is regeneration. Word we use theologically. It's a regeneration from God's Holy Spirit through the gift of Jesus Christ. God's own Son 
we are made new. And this is what Jesus came to tell Nicodemus and came to tell you and me. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God, so love the cosmos. That's what it says. When it says, for God so loved the world, he was not talking about this little blue egg, third planet from the sun. The, it says in, in the, the original Greek, the cosmos, the universe, the stars beyond the stars. The late, great Larry Norman said, and if there's life on other planets... I'm sure he's been there too because he's an unidentified flying object and he gave his life for you. Isn't that great? He would offer himself up for our snake bite. Have you been snake bit? Yeah. That's what he's talking about in that cryptic line. See, in the wilderness, as people were leaving captivity out of Egypt, and coming to the promised land where all things would be made new, people were getting snake bit, and they were dying of it. And Moses, the leader, had to do something about it. And it might sound crazy, but you know what Moses did? He made a bronze serpent, and he put it on a pole, and he held it up, and he said to the people, look up here. And you know what? When they looked at that bronze serpent, the snakes didn't bite them, and they didn't die of snake bite. I know it sounds crazy, but it worked. You know why? Not because it was magic, but because it pointed to what God had planned and was going to do in sending his own son to deal with something far worse than snake bite. That's what was going on. All the dots were connecting. And Jesus was saying to Nicodemus and you and me, you thought that was something. This is even greater. Jesus came to be lifted up so that the world could be saved, the cosmos could be saved from the deadly efforts of trying to save ourselves by our own meager efforts. By trying to have enough money, power, control, Jesus tried to Jesus came to save us from trying to do that. And that is what Christmas is all about. And that's why Christmas is every day of the year. And not just every day of the year, every day we've ever lived. Go back, go back, go back. All the things to the baggage that we're all dragging around with us, even though we don't know we're dragging it around. Jesus came and lived and died to separate us from that baggage and take us where we need to be. That God gave the greatest gift to take us out of this world and into his presence forever. That is what Christmas is about. Like Nicodemus, we don't get it when we try to understand this gift on human terms. That's why theologians are always so confused. They're trying too hard to think on human terms. To be born from above is what Jesus describes is to be born again, and it is to get over ourselves and to accept that God has already done what we could never do and has done so. Why? Because God so loves us. Nicodemus wanted to believe. That's why he was there. But he was looking at the lower picture, 
He was looking at right up close here. He wasn't looking at the cosmic story. That's why Jesus said, for God so loved the cosmos, Nicodemus. It's bigger. Nicodemus needed to see something far bigger. So do we. When we think we get it, when we're defining what's not working. We need to see that God has been working behind the scenes and in every breath we take to draw us to himself. We need to stop and look at what God has done and is doing in these words we call John 3.16. You know, there were no numbers when John wrote this down. We put them in later on. Jesus didn't put these numbers in. But when Jesus saw, and the Father saw, and the Holy Spirit saw, that after the fact we had put those numbers in place, he used those numbers. God still uses things that we have in our context to speak to us today. God is speaking right now. He is speaking when we will listen. It's a young man named Tim Tebow. And he loves Jesus, and he believes Jesus, and he believed Jesus. But he didn't know how personally Jesus wanted him to know what he has done for us in these words, God so loved, until one day, and I suspect that day took Tim beyond anything he could have imagined, and is continuing to take him beyond what he might have imagined. And we need a 316 day. Tim Tebow had a 316 day and didn't even know it until it was brought to his attention. Let's take a look at this video clip and I see if you don't think we all need a 316 day. A one part of the book. When you talk about on your eye black when you wrote 316 yeah. from the Bible, can you tell the people about the uncanny coincidence that happened in a press conference a few years later? Yeah, well, we were playing for the national championship um, in college on January 8, 2009, and I decided to wear John 3.16 under my eyes, and during the game, uh, 94 million people Googled John 3.16, and it was a pretty cool moment. Well, exactly three years later, we happened to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of playoffs when I was with the Denver Broncos, and I didn't even know that it was exactly three years later. It was Jan uh, January 12th or January 8, 2012, exactly three years later to the day, I just went out there and tried to do whatever I could to win a playoff game. And afterwards, I'm going into the press conference because I love talking to the media. <laughs> and uh, our PR guy jumps in front of me, says, Timmy, do you realize what happened? I was like, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play the Patriots. And he was like, no, do you realize what happened? I was like, all right, Patrick, what's up? He said, it's exactly three years later from the day that you wore John 316 in your eyes. I was like, oh, that's really cool. He said, no, I don't think you realize what happened. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush were 3.16. Your yards per completion were 31.6. The ratings for the game were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.6. And during the game, 90 million people had already Googled John 316. And it was the number one trending thing on Facebook and Twitter. And a lot of people will say, it's coincidence. I say, big God. Christmas. Do we need 
Does the world need the greatest Christmas present ever? Do we need a completed pass? Do we need a Hail Mary? Yeah. yeah. Don't we all need a 316? When? Every day. All the time. In our marriages. In our work. In our education. Our careers. In our aging. In our wondering. In our confusion. In our depression. Of course we need a 316. And that is why when God came in person, in Jesus, he said, For God so loved the cosmos, the galaxies, and all that is within them, he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Because God so loved, he didn't just give back our biological life, not even our best day. I want you to think about your best day. God didn't just give us that best day locked into place forever. Does that sound good? Your best day over and over again? It's not enough. What God gave was the life that is complete and unending and connected to himself. The very source of our being. So that we may have more than we want. And all that we need. Because God so loved, he came in person and defined our need and then gave himself up to meet that need. Because in defining our need, God showed in Jesus Christ that what is needed to cross that chasm is something we could never cross. What Jesus did for you and for me and for the cosmos was to line up everything so perfectly that we could never miss this gift. Jesus is the irrefutable evidence that God has shown up to make all things new. And God's greatest desire is that you and I and the cosmos know that this Christmas present is ours. That God so loves us. And God knows too often that we in our broken world don't know this. We don't think that we are lovable or lovely. We say, oh, maybe someone else is, but not me. But that's the point. And that is not the point on some levels of Christmas. The point is that God so loved, period, you and me. This is no coincidence. God wrote 316 all over us the day we were born. Before any one of us was a glimmer in anyone's eye, God wrote 316 all over us. In a letter from a father to his daughter, I read this week, we have a reflection of what God wants every single one of us to know because he so loved us that he gave his own son so that we could be with him forever. I want you to hear this letter as we close, and, I, and I, I want us to realize that what God did is not an accident. God wants us to know with every breath we take that he is making all things new. Father writes to his daughter, My dear Bristol, before you were born, I prayed for you. I knew in my heart 
you would be a little angel, and so you were. When you were born on my birthday, April 7th, it was evident that you were a special gift from the Lord, but how profound a gift you turned out to be. More than gurgles and rosy cheeks, more than the firstborn of my flesh, a joy unspeakable. You showed me God's love more than anything else in all creation. Bristol, you taught me how to love. I certainly loved you when you were cuddly and cute when you jabbered your first words. I loved you when the searing pain of realization took hold that something was wrong, that maybe you weren't developing as quickly as your peers. And when we understood it was more serious than that, I loved you when we went to the hospital, to clinic, to doctor, looking for a medical diagnosis that would bring us some hope. And of course, we always prayed for you. We prayed and we prayed. I loved you when you moaned and cried. Your mom and I and your sisters would drive for hours late at night to help you fall asleep. I loved you when you were confused, when with tears in your eyes you would bite your fingers or your lip and would hurt and cry and tremble. I loved you, Bristol, because that's what God gave you to do. I loved you when your eyes crossed and when you went blind. I loved you then. I, I most certainly loved you when you could no longer speak, but how profoundly I missed your voice. I loved you when scoliosis began to wrench your body like a pretzel and we put a tube in your stomach so you could eat. We fed you one spoonful at a time, even up to two hours per meal. I managed to love you when your contorted limbs made changing 10 years of diapers difficult. Bristol, I, I even loved you when you could not say the one thing that in life I longed to hear back. Daddy, I love you. Bristol, I loved you when I was close to God and when he seemed far away when I was full of faith and also when I was angry at him. And the reason I loved you, my Bristol, in spite of all these difficulties, is that God put this love into my heart. This is the wondrous nature of God's love, Bristol. He loves us when we are blind or deaf or twisted in body or in spirit. God loves us even when we can't tell him we love him back. My dear Bristol, you are now free. I look forward to that day when, according to God's promises, we will be joined together, completely whole and full of joy. I am so happy that you have your crown first. We will follow you someday in his time. Before you were born, I prayed for you. In my heart, I knew you would be a little angel, and you are loved, Daddy. My friends, God looks at us as his father looked at Bristol and says, I love you. I love you in all of your disability, all your brokenness, all your inability and to, to say you love me back. I love you. And God loves you and me and the whole world like this, and he wants uh, us to make that love known. And that is all that matters. Let's make this a 316 life. Merry Christmas. Amen. Father, thank you for coming in Jesus Christ to find our broken, damaged, stilted 
little lives and to make them all that they need to be that you know they need to be. And thank you that we can know that because you so loved that you gave your own son perfect and without blemish, spotless, in exchange for the brokenness of our lives, that we might be whole and complete in you. Let us rejoice in that. Let us say Merry Christmas all year long, Lord Jesus, because you've been born in us and are making us new every single day. Thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up and let's thank our Lord as we declare together the one truth that is above all else, the Apostles' Creed. Let's say it together. Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's sing. Let's sing. And he has done just that. Jesus Christ, by his coming, has fit us for heaven. We're already on our way home, my friends. So we get to go from this place and tell other people about it. As we do, let's realize we go nowhere by accident. Because Jesus Christ has a purpose for our lives. We go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. 
where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us. He lives in us. He has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it and go joyfully in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. May it be so. And may every day be a 316 day. Amen.